How many of you were here last week? Wasn't that powerful? I'll tell you, I, I walked straight out of here and I went right in my office and I have a, a, a dry erase board and I just wrote better. Someone say better. How many know God is working it out? God is moving. And, you know, I thought this week, you know, when we say better, understand what we mean. Better is, is, is the way that God wants it to go. It may not be the way we want it to go. It may, he may not even move the way we think he's going to move. But we believe this year he's making things better. We, we, we are coming into an alignment with his plan and purposes for our life. And we believe that better things are ahead. How many say that's, that's a word for me and my family this year? However that looks, God, we want the better. Amen. And um, and, and so it, it was powerful. And even at the end of the service last week, there was such a, a, a river here, a presence here. God was confirming that word. I believe God has some amazing things planned this year. But today I have the privilege of coming off the back of that. We're going to begin a new uh, series uh, starting the year, we, a series on prayer. We're, we're entitling this Praying the Prayers That Make the Difference. Someone say the difference. And so this morning, my theme this morning, I actually want to talk to you about communion with God, praying prayers of intimacy. But before I do that, uh, that's my specific theme this year. I want to go over the 12 types of prayer. Uh, I, how many of you have ever read any of the books that our senior pastor has written? If you haven't, I highly recommend you do. There's one in, in, in the bookstore where he wrote a book on prayer. And what he did was he went through the Bible and he identified 12 different types of prayer. And you could probably stretch those out into others. But primarily speaking, there are 12 types of prayer we see in Scripture. It's a powerful book. And uh, I'm talking about it because he will never talk about it. Amen. How many thankful for a pastor who really doesn't get up here and promote himself? Amen. So I'm promoting it for him. It's a powerful book. Very briefly, I'm going to mention the 12 types of prayer that he talks about in that book. But today I've come to speak on prayers of intimacy. And I'm going to get to that in just a second. Amen. But basically we can break down if we wanted to the two types of prayer in the Bible. There are devotional prayers. Devotional prayers are the prayers that you pray that impacts your immediate circle, your life. Amen. Devotional prayers primarily affect you and God. Those are the prayers that you pray that only you can pray. Amen. And then we have what we might call strategic prayer. Strategic prayer is then when we pray prayers that no longer are just affecting us, they're affecting other people. Come on, how many of you believe that you can pray for loved ones, you can pray for families? Listen, you can pray for cities, states, nations. And, and that's what we call strategic prayer. Amen? So there are seven types of devotional prayer. Let me just list these very quickly. Number one, there are prayers of thanksgiving. Say thanksgiving. And you know, by the way, as I'm going through this, I believe that when we approach God in prayer, I don't believe we're just supposed to run on in and just make our request. Because he, he said in Psalm 100 verse 4, enter his gates with thanksgiving. And how many know that doesn't just apply to a worship service? How many know we don't just sing prayers of thanksgiving? We pray prayers of thanksgiving. Amen. And so the first type of devotional prayer is thanksgiving. The second one is, is, is prayers, laudatory prayers, or prayers of praise. Someone say praise. That same verse says, enter in his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. 
It applies not only to worship. I believe that when we go to God in prayer, we come in with thanksgiving. We come in praying prayers. We say, God, your name is great. Praise your name. It says this in Psalm 150. I just got to read it because I like it. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in, in the, his mighty ferment. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the sound of the harp. Praise him with dance. Praise him with flutes and instruments. Praise him with the cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. And I'll say this about giving thanks and praising. If you go through the Bible, you will find that there are four commands that are the most repeated of all in scripture. Two of those commands that are the most repeated in all of scripture is give thanks and praise the Lord. Did you hear what I said? Of all the commands that the Bible repeats the most, two of the top ones are to give thanks and to praise his name. Amen. The third type of prayer, we, the ter- third type of devotional prayers that we pray are prayers of contrition. That those, that, those are prayers of repentance. Amen. How many of you are thankful for the gift of repentance? And you say, well, wh- wh- why would that be considered a devotional prayer? Actually, it's one of the most intimate prayers you can pray. Because sin interrupts our fellowship with God, not because God runs from us, but when we sin, we run from him. So when we when we keep a repentant heart, what we're saying is, God, I want to remain teachable. You can you can convict me, you can correct me and you can guide me at any time you please. And I don't know about you, but through the years I have learned to do my best to keep a repentant heart at any moment. I, I give the Holy Spirit permission. Hey, if I got a bad attitude, I need to. And listen, that's the other thing. Repent quickly. Learn to repent quickly. Repent, move on, keep going forward. Amen. But there are prayers of repentance and there are different levels of that. There are times when we're just, you know, repenting because we got a little mad in traffic. And then there's other times where we're repenting of deep things. Amen. But then there are prayers of petition. Say petition. This is Matthew 6, 11. Give us this day our daily what? Bread. Philippians 4, 6 says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Amen. Other devotional prayers that we can pray, there are prayers of dedication. Prayers of dedication. We see that when Solomon finished the temple, what did they do? They dedicated the temple to God. When you pray prayers of dedication, what you're doing is you're saying, God, I know who really owns this. So when you say, when you pray prayers of dedication, what you're doing is you're transferring the ownership back to the one who owns everything anyway. Amen. How many of you have learned the blessing of doing that? Saying, God, listen, this is actually yours. I'm going to dedicate my life. That's why we dedicate our children. Lord, they're, they're our children, but ultimately they're yours. All right. Then there are prayers of commitment. And these are similar. De- when you dedicate something, you're transferring ownership. When you commit, that has to do prayers of commitment. That's consecration. Amen. That's why when you fast, what are you doing? You are actually consecrating yourself. You're saying, God, I'm going to give up this. And you know what I love about prayers of commitment, prayers of consecration? There are things that we give up or there are things that we consecrate that God doesn't even ask us to do it. We do it out of worship. Amen. 
How many of you have ever been there? Like, like God didn't tell you to give up something, but you said, you know what? This year, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give this up, God, as an act of worship. Or, or, or maybe there's a good thing in your life, that, but maybe, maybe there, there's a nudge in your heart that says, I need to lay this aside because it's taken out too much of my time. Oh, I've been there. I've been there where I, I have felt that little tug like, hey, you need to put Netflix to the side for a little bit. God may not even say, hey, you put Netflix to the side. You may just feel on your heart. Hey, I need to consecrate myself in this season. I need to log out and get my face in the book or something like that. Do you see what I'm saying? There are times where God doesn't ask you to do something, but you do it out of commitment. Amen. And that's between you and God. That's why it's devotional. But the highest form of devotional prayer are actual prayers of intimacy. That's where you are at a place in God where the focus is not a petition. It's not a request. It's not repentance. It's not, it's not a, a dedicatory prayer. It's not a commitment prayer. There is a level in prayer of intimacy with God where the entire focus of your prayer is himself. Amen? And we're going to talk about that in a second, so I'm going to come back. Then we have strategic prayers. Someone say strategic prayers. So now we're, the devotional prayers affect us. Now we're talking about strategic prayers go beyond just our lives. The first type of strategic prayer we see in scripture is prayers of intercession. Come on, someone say intercession. Genesis chapter 8 is one of the first examples we see Abraham stands in the gap for Sodom and Gomorrah. And he, he becomes, as it were, an intercessor between God and the city. Amen. The Bible even says this about Jesus. Did you know that one of Jesus' primary ministries is that of an intercessor? Hebrews chapter 7 says Jesus is sitting at the right hand of God and he forever makes intercession for us. That's good news right there. I say this all the time. You like when people pray for you, but I'm going to tell you, it's a great thing when Jesus is praying for you because you know, his prayers are going to get answered. Amen. So Jesus is making intercession. That's what the Bible says. As a matter of fact, so many of us are sitting in this room right now because someone prayed for you. You know, um, he, he never asked me to say this, but I see Brother Rodney over there. Rodney's my, my dear friend, and I love him and his wife. Rodney came to me a couple months ago. He said, Andrew, God laid it on my heart to pray for you every morning. And you know what I told him? That's the greatest gift you could give me. Because I, I was so thankful. I was like, no, you don't understand. I would rather you, that is the most, that is worth more than money. That is worth more than anything because I have seen the value of prayer. So when brother Rodney told me that, I just thank God. I'm like, God, I'm thankful that at least one person's praying for me because I know the value of when someone selfishly goes before the throne of God and says, I'm going to intercede for a family, a city, a nation, a situation. And I want to tell you this. Someone needs to hear this. If God gives you a prayer assignment, don't you ever take it lightly because you have no idea. Guys, listen to me. History is shaped in the prayer room before you ever see it shaped anywhere else. It's shaped first in the place of prayer. And I want to tell you that many of us are sitting in this room because people have prayed. And God wants to use you the same way. We have prayers of intercession. Then there are prayers of agreement where we begin to declare the word of God over a situation or over a circumstance. How many know so many times, like we said during worship, we've got to get our eyes off of the situation and start to declare a better. Someone say a better. 
a better word. That's where we, we declare the scriptures and the promise over our lives and the lives of our families, our cities, our nation. Amen. We have declarative and confessional prayers. This is where we confess with our mouth. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 says this. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the what? The word of their testimony. Amen. And last, or I'm sorry, two more. The other type of strategic prayer we see are warfare prayers. Warfare prayers are when God will use you in prayer to deal with spirits and principalities. Man, don't, don't we need those type of intercessors now more than ever? We keep trying to fix things with arguments and, and thing, arguing with people on Facebook and arguing with people about this and about that. And we're not even understanding a lot of the problems in this nation have to do with spirits and principalities. You're not going to fix it by logging on Facebook and giving your two cents. But we can fix it if we go into the prayer room and start to intercede and allow God to use us to deal with principalities. We see Elisha, God calls Elisha in First Kings chapter 18, verse 24. At Mount, Mount Carmel, God uses Elisha to deal with the spirit of Jezebel, right? We see in the, uh, in the book of Acts, John, when he comes to Ephesus, John, the apostle John actually confronts the principality of Diana at the temple of Ephesus. Do you remember when he prayed? He began to deal with the spirit there in the city, and the Bible says there was an earthquake, And so those are warfare prayers. Someone say warfare prayers. Then there are governmental prayers. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because we'll probably pick back up on this series. But the high, one of the highest levels of prayer we can actually pray is your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because what we're actually asking for is for the rule and reign of God to come. Amen. So those are the 12 type of prayers that we've, that we've, that pastor has outlined in his book. And I wanted to mention them to, to you because we're going to be talking about some of these in the series. But today I've come to talk about one of the devotional prayers. I want to speak for just a few moments on praying prayers of intimacy. Specifically, I want to talk about communion with the Holy Spirit. Come on, someone say communion with the Holy Spirit. You see, because... I believe fundamentally, first and foremost, prayer is about relationship. How many of you know and believe the goal of prayer is not ultimately to get God to do something I want or need? The actual aim and end goal of prayer is God himself. Let me put it this way. There is a level of intimacy in prayer that you go to in God, where when you come out of prayer, you're not talking about prayer. You're just talking about him. Because the, those prayers are not about, I need you to do something, which is fine. How many of you are so thankful that we can make requests? But there's a level of intimacy in prayer when we are praying these type of prayers where the only goal is to know God, to encounter God, and to commune with God. Oh, come on. Amen. Amen. Yeah. That was a... I want to be very clear. I don't want to discourage making petitions because I'm so glad that we can make petitions and requests. Amen. We are God's children. God is not annoyed with us. Amen. God is not... 
mad at us when we make requests, but we, we limit ourselves and we limit the potential of prayer when we only make prayer about getting something we need. But I am so glad that you can find everything you need in prayer. E.M. Bounds said it the best I've ever heard. He said, nothing lies outside of our reach in prayer except that which lies outside of the will of God. That means this. If I was to draw a circle, a big circle, and say this is the will of God, everything within the will of God is attainable and accessible through prayer. Isn't that amazing? You wonder why the enemy fights your prayer life. I'm sorry, I already feel (laughs) because because he knows when you go there, you're coming out of that place with something. Okay, I I, got to keep going because this is not my message tonight. But listen to me. He wants you bound in fear because he knows if you go to prayer, you're coming out with peace. He wants you to be bound with worry and anxiety because if because if you can go to that place and I'm speaking from personal experience, if you can get to that place, you're going to find what you need there. Okay, but today I've come to say and I've come to talk about the deepest and most pressing prayer on our lips should be prayers of intimacy where, where we say, God, my heart's desire is to know you. Come on, someone. How many know that's true? But here's here's what's scary about prayer is that God will answer prayers even for people who don't know him. And this can be scary because an answered prayer is not always an indication of my relationship with God. I'll prove it to you. Matthew chapter 7 verse 21 through 23. You know, the Bible talks about how he's given each man a measure of faith. There are people who don't even know God who have, a, who have faith that prayer can be answered. How many, you, how many know that friend who they don't know the Lord, but when a situation arises, they have enough faith to pray? Okay. Listen, listen to what Matthew chapter 7 says. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? Have we not cast out demons in your name and done, listen to this, many wonders in your what? Name. And, I, and then he says, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. This, this, this scripture growing up, I honestly would read this and a, a godly fear would come over me. There needs to be a level of godly fear about this scripture. It should concern us that you could cast out demons and heal the sick and see signs and wonders and not know him. But what's so remarkable is I've stared at this. I'm like, God, how did you answer these prayers? Because it said they prayed for the sick and the sick were healed. And then I realized sometimes God will answer a prayer, not for the person praying the prayer, but for the person they're praying for. So what I believe happens in a situation like this is God may have healed a person because he loves that person. He's not validating that person who prayed. And so you can get answered prayer and not even know the Lord. Does that make sense? In other words, it's not an automatic indicator that you know him. And the other thing I realized is the other key of why those prayers were answered was right there in the verse. It says they cast out demons in his name. So sometimes God will answer prayer just because you call upon his. 
Because whether you believe or know him or not, his name has authority. The Bible says he's been given a name that's above every name. He is seated above every principality and power. And there are times where demons have to go and a healing will occur because his name is so great. But here, here's what frightens me. I don't want to use his name and not know him. Come on, are you with me on that? I don't, I don't want to use his name and not know him. And I don't want to just use prayer to get what I want or need. I want to understand and I want to know the depths of what prayer is actually all about. Because the end goal of prayer is after you've prayed for your, your devotional prayers, after you've prayed your petitions, after you've interceded, after you've made all kind of requests, the end goal of prayer is God himself, that you would commune so deeply with God that you would speak to God and and God would speak to you. That is the end goal of prayer. In the scripture that, that God placed on my heart for this Sunday, I, w- I was reading it in 2 Corinthians. I've always loved it. It's how Paul ends his second letter to the Corinthians. They're going to put that up in a second. But those of you who've, who've read through your New Testament or read the books of the New Testament know, Paul always ended his letters the same way. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen? Right? We know that. But at the end of 2 Corinthians, he kind of throws in a little extra. He says this, the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God. Someone say the love of God. Some translations say in the love of the Father. But listen, and he says the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you. And I, 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 just, I just wondered, why did he end this letter differently? He, he seemed to add a little sauce on the end. You know what I'm saying? Because he had been through so much with the Corinthian church. From, from, from what I remember, he made at least three trips there. But his, how many of you know he dealt with some stuff from Corinth? Amen. He dealt with some real stuff. As a matter of fact, there was a real point of contention with Paul and the Corinthian church. It eventually got worked out. But Paul spent years laboring in the gospel with them. And so when he's writing his final letter... I think he was saying, if I could pray anything for you, it would be this, that you walk in the grace of the Lord, that you have the love of the Father, but that you would commune with the Holy Spirit. Because if you have those three things, you're going to be okay. If you have those three things, you can make it through anything. If you have those three things, I don't care how immature you are, how much growth you need. If you stick with those three things, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the communion of the Holy Spirit, you're going to make it. I love how the Passion Translation translates this. He, Paul says, uh, the, through the Passion Translation, he says, the precious communion that we share with the Holy Spirit, he said, I pray that it would be yours continually. If I could emphasize anything, it's that part right there. Someone say, continually. Continually. And, and this is so powerful for me. And, and, and this is in some ways going to be very simple, but it's so important because this was the game changer from my life. And I know this will be the game changer for yours. And you've already experienced this. Many of you, I know this, but perhaps there's someone in here that doesn't know this. Do you know what the greatest advantage you have in prayer in the New Testament is? It's the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit within you. 
Do you understand that in the Old Testament, I don't, as amazing as there are so many incredible examples of prayer in the Old Testament. How many of you would agree with that? But they did not have what you and I have. They had a peace. They had a shadow. They had a preview. The Holy Spirit moved in their midst. The Holy Spirit would come upon them. Some of them, the Holy Spirit would remain. But you and I have something even deeper than that. The Holy Spirit doesn't just come upon you. The Holy Spirit made his, in, his dwelling in you. And, and there's something, there's an advantage that we have in prayer now that they didn't even have then. It's this, is that through the power of the Holy Spirit, not your doing, but his, you have communion and access to communion with God. Oh, come on. I need a better amen than that. How many know the Holy Spirit is not just about having one power encounter, although I love those. The Holy Spirit is one of God's greatest gifts to you because it's not just about encounters or power. He's there with you through it all. He says he's there to help you, to teach you, to guide you. He says, it even says in Romans, when you don't know what you ought to pray, the Spirit of God will pray through you. Do you understand that God has given you everything that you will need? Okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. You see, when we commune with God in prayer, what we're actually doing is we're participating in what he's made available through the Holy Spirit. And when it comes to intimacy with God, I, I truly believe the key, the key for the New Testament believer is living in a state of continual communion with the Holy Spirit. The, the, the word, when you look up the word communion, what does communion mean? Do you know that one of the literal definitions of communion, it means to exchange intimate thoughts. Literally right here in, in Webster's, it says it means intimate fellowship. Understand when we say the communion of the Holy Spirit, we're not talking about accidental communion. We're not talking about communion that just happens because of, what, because of accident. We're talking about intentional, deep meaningful and real communion with the Holy Spirit. Isn't that incredible? Right now, we have access to intimate fellowship with God through the power of the Spirit. And you know what? When when I started to catch this, it began to change my prayer life because I want you to think about it like this. Let's, Let's think with me. Where is the Holy Spirit right now? He's in us. Where else is he? Right now, the Holy Spirit is present at the throne of God. And at the same time, present with you. Have you ever thought about that? Eternally, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was, or the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In the beginning, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they've always been one. You can't separate them. And so the Holy Spirit didn't leave heaven and come here and, and, and not be there. No, he's still there with the Father now. He's just also present with you also. That's why Romans can say he takes the deep things of God and makes them made known to you. Do you know why? Because he's sitting right next to God. He is God. He is God. He searches himself. And what he does is he goes, you know what? Because you have communion, now you've got access. 
So when we, when we are engaging with communion with God, what we're doing is we are engaging what the Holy Spirit has made available. And you know that this is one of the most, in my opinion, one of the most beneficial things about prayer. When you pray with, through a relational lens where you are communing with the Holy Spirit, what you're doing is you're no longer just throwing your prayers like a boomerang. Like, I'm going to shout some prayers and hope the boomerang hits and makes it, right? It's not like that. He's as close as your next breath. So when you pray with revelation and understanding, here's what happens. Is you actually start to engage his presence that's always with you. Okay? Then what prayer becomes a gift to you because if you're, if you're constantly praying in communion, then you are constantly aware of his presence. Some of us don't pray continuously because we don't believe he's actually there. No, I know we know what the Bible says. I didn't ask if you know it intellectually. I'm talking about do you know it relationally that the Holy Spirit is as real and as close as your next breath. So prayer is a gift to us because when we commune with God, we are acknowledging his presence. And if you practice his presence, everything changes. And you know what's so amazing about the Holy Spirit? Is he's there and he waits. And he wants to commune with us. He wants to reveal things. He wants to speak. And he's there. And you know what's, what's crazy is sometimes we forget he's there. And you know, I don't know about you, but I, I hate being with someone where there's awkward silence. Have you ever been there? I hate small talk. Like, let's just cut right to it. Let's talk. Like, you know, I hate awkward silence. And I think sometimes the, the Holy Spirit is sitting there. He says, hey, I'm here. I'm a gift to you. When Jesus got back to heaven, he sent me to you. I'm here to help you. I'm here to walk with you. (laughs) Come on, somebody. So it changes my prayer life when I'm not no longer communing with God who's far, but who's near. And if the, and check this out and I got to hurry now, I'm almost done. If communion is the exchange of intimate thoughts, that means this. Prayer is is just as much about listening as it is speaking. It took me years to realize the reason why my prayer life was not what it could be is when I realized that I was the problem and I talked too much. Because I was going into God's presence and I was doing all the talking. But when when I learned... That I should go into prayer expecting to get something back. It changed everything. (laughs) 
And I want to say to you, God wants to speak to you. God wants to commune. And listen to me, in 2022, God wants to speak to you. God wants to walk with you. God wants to reveal things to you. And I want to tell you this, never go to prayer again with the intention to be the only one that's speaking. Go before God, speak, say your prayers, give him your devotion, give him your intimacy, give him all of you. But you know what? Don't forget to stop and listen and wait. And you know what? Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that you always get your answer right away. I'm not even saying that, 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 that he's going to speak when you want him to speak. The point is this. I should always be expecting and looking for him to speak. Amen. And how many of you love that? You know what I'm talking about. You've experienced it. How many of you love the sweet whispers of the Holy Spirit? Do you know what I have found? The deeper you go in communion, the easier it is to hear you. Because oftentimes you have to drown out all the noise around you. You have to drown out the noise of the world. You have to drown out all of the things that are going around you. And when you go to that deep place of communion, because see, here's what I've learned about the Holy Spirit. He doesn't, there are times where he will make himself known in a dramatic way. But oftentimes he speaks in a whisper. An impression. Y'all know what I'm talking about. You went in prayer and you came out knowing something and you don't know how you know it, but you know it. It's because the Holy Spirit spoke. You came out of prayer with a word. You came out of prayer with an answer. And you know, that's the other thing I love about prayer. It teaches us the art of learning how to hear him speak. Amen. Oh, come on. Give the Lord a hand clap for that. I said this in the first service. I'll say this again. Just a piece of advice. Don't go off and tell everything that you and the Lord talk about. Let me say this. You don't have to come out of your time with God. And tell everyone what he told you unless he told you to tell him. You don't have to prove your spirituality. You don't have to get on Facebook and reveal every revelation and everything that everything. Do you know what God has taught me? There have been times where I went away and said something and and God nudged me and said, that was just for me and you. I was just talking to you. You know, something I learned years ago is that God wants friends. God wants to share secrets with people. And sometimes he doesn't want us just to run off and tell everybody. If he gives you a word or tells you to do something, do it. But if he doesn't, keep it. You know why? Because when you develop a friendship with the Holy Spirit, you will have conversations that no one else needs to know about. You don't have to prove your spirituality coming out and tell everything, everything God shows you. And you know what's so amazing? The more you spend with the Father, the more seen and heard you feel by Him, the less need you have to prove anything to anybody anyways. Am I right? But I guess what I'm saying is this. We have to be careful not to be intimate with God so that he will use us. Because then we're just using him so he'll use us. We, we want God to use us simply because we're intimate. I'm going to move on. Amen. I'm running out of time. Is this helping anybody? You see, and I, I'm, I'm going to paraphrase this last part because I, I got to close. It was always God's will that all kind of prayer would first flow out of intimacy. I'm not going to read it 
for the sake of time. But even in John 14, when Jesus tells his disciples, you're gonna, he, he tells them, you're, you're going to pray prayers and I'm going to answer them. But when you actually read the verse, it's, it, it's a sandwich. It's right in the context. Jesus tells his disciples, I'm going to go to the Father. You're going to pray prayers that are going to get answered. And I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. In other words, Jesus is saying, your prayers will start getting answered when I go back to him. Why? Because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. And he's going to be a gift to you. In other words, when Jesus walked the earth, everything he did was out of relationship with his father. He said, and it's going to be the same for you. I'm going to him and I'm sending you the helper. Even within the context of answered prayer, it's right there in between relationship. Amen. Someone say relationship. And I'm closing with this if the worship team wants to come. You know what? Do you know what deep communion and praying prayers of intimacy, do you know what it really is when, it, when you boil it down? Here's what it is. It's your personal relationship and history with God. Someone say my history with God. See, right now, where are my married people at? Right now, I could ask one of you guys or a couple to stand up and I could say, tell me about your history. And you could say, this is where we met. This is where we went on our first date. This is where I proposed. This is where on this park bench, we had one of the most meaningful conversations I've ever had with any other human. You could take me through your relational history. It's the same with our walk. Right now, it's sorry, it's hard for me to talk about without tearing up because I could take you to a place in scripture where he met me. That scripture may not mean much to you, but I have history there. There's tears on that page because I lived there. You hear me? There are places you could take me to a place where it's you spent time with God. And it may not mean much to you. I mean, to me, because it's not my history, it's your history. You understand what I'm saying? And I've learned this, that history is only built over time. Our relational history with God is built over time. It is time and time again of commitment communicating and communing with God where we are actually do you understand what's actually happening in prayer you are exchanging your your life and your intimate intimate thoughts to him and he is giving his in return and that's how you develop your history with God it, it, it's not a quick process and do you know I said this and I, I want to say this again right now right we could open the altars and we could pray for impartation, right? So like, for instance, if you needed healing, I believe we could lay hands on you, pray the prayer of faith that heals the sick, and I believe you could be healed. You might say, I want you to pray for me for activation for something. Pray for me for breakthrough. Pray for me that a grace would be imparted to me. I believe all of that. We could lay hands and impart many things. But do you know one thing I can't do? I can't give you my history with God. And you can't give me yours. That's why sometimes when you see a gift on someone and you want them to pray for you, like 
I've done many times. They can pray that you get the gift, but they can't give you their history. You've got to go dig that well of intimacy yourself. Amen. Would you stand with me to your feet? While you're standing, I'm going to do this quick. Five application points that I think it's going to be easy for you to remember. If I could leave you with these five application points, it would be this. I believe the most important prayer that we can pray daily is to ask the Lord to help us love him more. Did you hear what I said? He said he's the helper, right? I pray, I try to pray it daily. Lord, help me love you more. And what I mean by that is, could you reveal more of yourself to me? Because I've never seen him and not wanted him. Anytime I've ever seen Jesus, I want to love him. So I pray every day, help me love you more. Increase my revelation of you. Give me more of you. Number two, this is, I highly recommend this. Develop your history with God. Set times to meet him and keep that time. Amen. Here's the third, the third application. This is something I've had to learn over the years. Learn to recognize when he's drawing you away into prayer. How many know what I'm talking about? It's, isn't it interesting? Jesus, Jesus would literally be in a situation where thousands of people are there. And he would just disappear. He would say, send the crowds away. And you, where would he go? He'd go climb a hill and go be with his father. There are going to be times where you actually feel the nudging of the Holy Spirit. And you never know what he's going to do there. It may be just to commune with you. It may be because you're about to step into something he wants to warn you. I, I don't know. There's all kinds of reasons he's done it. He does it. But pay attention to the little nudging. That's right. Number four. It's probably the most important application point. But learn to commune with him throughout the whole day. You know what that looks like? On the way to work, at work. I love what, understand what I mean. It doesn't mean praying long prayers. Smith Wigglesworth said, I don't always pray 30 minutes, but I never go 30 minutes without praying. Praying is like this. I'm on my way to the fax machine and underneath my breath, I just say, Lord, I love you. God, I thank you that you're with me. Lord, right now, I don't know. Maybe God drops in your heart. Lord, I just lift up my loved one. I mean, no one has to know. It's just... It just communing with him when you realize how close he is. The access you have. This is why Paul said in Thessalonians, pray without ceasing. There's so many reasons why he would make that statement. But one of the number one reasons, I believe, is because as you pray without ceasing, you're communing with him. Amen. And number five, make praying or make prayers of intimacy and communing with God. Make it a lifestyle. And 
I want to encourage you with something. They don't have to, they don't have to like prayer in school or at your job. They can't stop prayer when your whole life is a prayer meeting. My whole life is communion with God. They may not like it. They, they may even pass a law. I don't know. I hope they don't. They may make a rule at the job. Listen, they don't got to know, but they don't really have an option because if you get me, he walks in with me. Oh, I'm going to talk to you. You may not know. You may think I'm mumbling a song that I heard on the radio, but I'm actually communing with God. Amen. I don't know about you, but I want my life to be one continual, unbroken, communal prayer to God. That when I close, literally one day when I go to be with the Lord, before I close my eyes, I will go to, I will leave this world talking to him and I will wake up in the next and I will be with him. It will be one long interrupted conversation. I don't always have to pray long, but I can, I can acknowledge him every hour, every 30 minutes, every few minutes. I, I, I want to live with an awareness that he's with me.